if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. And uh, this, this book is, is basically about the meaning of life. So as you read through this book, you will see that there's all of these things that Solomon begins to unpack at under the unction of God's spirit. And uh, chapter three is uh, known as the seasons uh, chapter. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit earlier or later. Um, but if you're in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, I'm in the New Living Translation. And it says this, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Everybody say beautiful. I mean, isn't it true that sometimes we can look around and things don't look so beautiful, right? We look around at some of the things that are happening in our current day and age and it looks anything from beautiful. But we see here that there is this intention here. And he goes on, he says, he has planted eternity in the human heart but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end isn't it great that we have a God that's bigger than us bigger than our own problems bigger than our own concerns isn't that wonderful amen well we're gonna pray now before we pray I just want to say happy birthday to Allison she is 77 today I wouldn't normally point out an age, but uh, thank you. She let me know that. It's like God's perfect number today, isn't it? Precious Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for what you're doing and how you speak into our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd help me today uh, declare your message that you are still working. Lord God, and that we can make the most of our season. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Give somebody a high five. Amen. Wanted to talk to you about uh, making the most of your season. Making the most of our season. There's so many seasons that we go into, right? And, uh, of course, many times we look at timelines when it happens, and and uh, when I look at some of the things that we learn as we progress, um, there's sometimes uh, capsulations or, or moments where, where we learn a lot of things in one, in one moment. And I think one of those areas is kindergarten. Uh, it seems like kindergarten, there's a lot to learn. Uh, you're into a structured environment, right, all these things. And so I was looking and uh, 16 things that we're supposed to learn from kindergarten. Are you ready? One, share everything. Two, play fair. Um, three, here's a good one. Don't hit people. Okay. Um, put things back where you found them. All right. That even includes the church kitchen, just so you know. Okay. I got you. I got you, Kim. Uh, clean up your own mess. Uh, number six. Uh, somebody clapped about that. Was that my mom? Don't tell me. All right, okay. Um, number six. Here's one. Novel. Don't take things that aren't yours. All right. Um, seven. Here's a good one. Say you're sorry if you hurt someone. That was a good one. 
Um, wash your hands before you eat. It's always good. All right, here's a big one. Number nine, flush. <laughs> I'll let you do the interpretation on that. <clears throat> Number 10, um, this seems truthful. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Is that right? Whole milk. Uh, number 11, live a balanced life. Learn some, think some, draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. All right, here's a good one. All right, are you guys ready? This is, this is I love this one. And I, I don't do a good job at this at all. Take a nap every afternoon. I know, I know. Um, all right. Um, when you go out in the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. That's good. That's good. Um, 14. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why. But we are all like that. All right. Number 15. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. So do we. And number 16. Remember the Dick and Jane books? And the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, was look. Right? Talking about curiosity. See, today we're talking about getting the most out of each season in our life. And we go through a variety of those seasons. Now, I'm not talking about the seasons like spring and summer and fall and winter. Um, though we can learn a little bit about life from those physical attributes. Spring is new life. It's new ideas, new relationships, planting seeds. You're born, right? Summer is an area of development. Life is established. Maybe a special someone, um, potentially kids, formed ideas and mindsets, cultivating your crop, protecting um, what has put, been put in seed form, watering it. Fall is you have some experience now maturity maybe have lived through a couple experiences that have refined your perspective maybe a little bit of pain and hurt but also development harvesting much of what you've planted in life and winter is the time is coming to a close right uh, your focus is more on legacy um, the seeds are going dormant and taking advantage of the most important aspects of life you're remembering and you're preparing for the next generation so we can kind of see how each one of these areas have a little bit of a of a of a a part in our seasons of life but i believe that we all realize seasons are a part of life and just like any competition there's winning and there's losing seasons, aren't there? Times of great joy and glee and accomplishment and times of failure and sadness and even isolation at times. Our part is to figure out how to get the most out of each season. How to find the value because we're going to go through the 
the losing seasons. We're going to go through the winning seasons. We're going to have these times of, of, of horrible times where something is going to be birthed in us and, and perhaps we're going to see things about ourselves that we didn't like and, and that we're glad that we know that it's there, but, but we're kind of stretched, right? You, you've been there. Has anybody been there? Hurts a little bit. But it's, it's about finding value. It's not just the outcome of winning or losing. I'm talking about life, of course, but I'm also the season I'm talking about that in every season we want God to meet us in that season. Ideally, all of them, correct? There it is. The one thing that I need you to know from this sermon God wants to be present in your season and uncover the value in that season. I feel like you need a scripture. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says, Look, I stand here at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice, and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. God desires to be in your season. And I think as people that are searching and pursuing faith and pursuing God, it is our way to try to find how do we bring God into this season, whether good, bad, winning, losing, planting, reaping, right? Right? That's kind of the premise of our opening scripture. It's where we find ourselves in the context. I'd like to read through this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'm going to read 1 through 11. I, I just want you to get what is being said here. He says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. I think why this is important that we're reading this and in, 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 in Delving into what the word is saying is because God knows that there's multiple seasons out there. Have you ever been in that season? You're like, I'm alone. God doesn't know where I'm at. Right? Even Jonah in the belly of the whale calls out to God after three days. I don't know why it took him three days to do that. But God knows the seasons and he's, he's sharing it here. He says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get out of all their hard work? I have seen the burden that God has placed on us all. And here's our opening scripture. Yet God has made everything become beautiful in for its time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. See, God is working in our season. 
And the first takeaway that I like to share of making the most of your season is this. It's how your time is filled. Pay attention to how your time is filled. I recently read an article about three powerful ways to grow in personal worship. And the premise is based on what the author Philip Wagner said. He said, he said, we were born to give and receive love. I think we can all agree with that. Love is the key attribute to what everyone has the ability to recognize. We are all faced with the ability to recognize love as it impacts us or, or sees it in others. So Philip Wagner was using that as a setup by saying that we're all challenged to be worshipers. And, and he references uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That that is at the core of who we are. Just like every Marine is a rifleman, every Christian is a worshiper. This article went on to keep in mind three things. One, that God is holy, and the other one is the importance of worshiping at God or to God, not just around God. And then the third one is our focus of an earnest approach, right? That it's genuine, that it's authentic, and that we should authentically give worship to a very holy God. But what I extracted from this article what I felt like I was interpreting or reading was the importance of connectedness. See, within each season, and I'm filling up my time, I think one of the things that we need to fill up our time with is connectedness. Amy and I have done a couple um, marriage retreats. Funny story. We get called to go do this marriage retreat and um, we show up and everybody has been married at least 40 to 50 years. I know. What am I going to tell them? So I said, hey, listen, we're going to switch this up a little bit. We're going to sit here, tell you our problems. <laughs> but at these marriage retreats, um, we focus on our main points of finding ways to connect in each season of your marriage. Now listen, it's easy in your honeymoon season, right? He's still good looking, right? You know what I'm saying, right? We got it. He's like, tell me more, tell me more, right? It's easy. It's easy during that time. But after a little bit, after a little while, the toothpaste is on, the, right? It's on the sink a little too long. You, you know what I'm saying, right? We go through different seasons. And then let's not talk about having a baby. <laughs> All of you teenagers, you're like, oh, I thought I was, yeah, you are. We love you. That's for sure. You're amazing for sure. But I'm telling you what, I mean, I think mom, I was, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You don't need to share anything else. We got it. Okay. Right. But then you get into them. And then, then you're like, oh my goodness. I never knew how much the human body can go without sleep. <laughs> right? And it gets to the place. There was this time, and I won't tell you which child. Um, there's this time that we're at um, Charcoal Grill. And we're having a meal out with our little newborn. Or, you know, a little older than that, right? Well, 
this newborn had a little bit of an issue with gag reflex. And so the child throws up all over the table and the thing. I know, I know. And all we did is this is, come on, right? This is a boss move for parents, just so you know. We just moved our plates out, cleaned it up, and went back to eating. Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about. We go through these seasons, and we go through these seasons where we're not sleeping, that we're not even connected to each other, and we're just kind of having roles. Or, or we go through the time of teenagers when they all hate us. You know what I'm saying? And, and we want to put them in the closet. But I guess that's called abuse. <laughs> right? I mean... We, we're working through that and so things, but I want you to know that we go through these times too, that there's like the empty nesters and, and, and the kids are out, right? And, and, and then we're like, what do we do? Because my whole identity was being a dad or it was being a mom, right? We don't even know how to have an adult interaction anymore. Do you, you get what I'm saying? But in every single season that you go through, God helped us and he said, you know what? You got to connect. You got to find connectedness. And so we begin to share that a little bit. It isn't about just being married. That isn't the point. Or just, I'm sorry. It isn't about just being a child of God. Mm. It isn't about having a good or a bad time. It's how we connect during that time. How we fill our time. There have been times during seasons of our life where we felt alone, we felt unappreciated, we felt used. But what made those times worse was when we isolated ourselves. Thankfully, we pivoted, worked towards connectedness with people, loved ones, friends, our congregation, right, our peeps. The not just the mission. It can't, it can't just be about the mission or the purpose, right? It can't just be about that. God knows we need a real connection with him to succeed in bringing out the joy in life, just like we need connectedness with each other. Now, here's the second takeaway in making the most of our season, and that is this. First off, this is going to be a little controversial. But just go with me. Don't be too much in a hurry to get out of a bad season. Hmm. When things go bad, there's pain and suffering. People want to get out of the season as quickly as possible. And I've been there. God, get me out, right? And at times we can be guilty of resisting the season rather than extracting value from it. We begin to lament, say the season is the reason for all of our, our woes. Do you remember I said in the beginning, God wants to meet us in our season to help uncover value from it. We can miss out on what God is doing if we try to pull the plug too quickly. I'm thinking about the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, okay? So let me set it up just a little bit. <clears throat> Paul's a missionary, right? He's a missionary to the, Jew, the Jews and the Gentiles. 
Um, you know about his big conversion, right? He used to be the guy that was going after all the Jesus lovers, the Christians, and then God met him and uh, blinded him and had a, a miracle with him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he changed his name from Saul to Paul signifying this new change and this opportunity of, of really doing what God's called him to do. So here he is, he's walking around with Silas, and as he's walking around with Silas, uh, he goes into the city, he meets this, uh, this lady named Lydia, and they're ministering there, and God is doing some work there. He, it's kind of interesting that, uh, just a side note, that part of his evangelism was to go places where people are praying. <laughs> I mean, is that interesting? That, that even though he was coming to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, he went to where people were entertaining God already. Now that's something. So as he's walking around, there's this woman who is afflicted with a demon. She's demon-possessed, and she can actually see things in, the, in, in their life and stuff and discern things and such like that. And so... Uh, they're walking around and they're praying with people and talking to people and everything. And all of a sudden, this, this woman is behind him and, and, and going, hey, these are, the, these are the servants of the Most High God. And she begins to telling everybody. And the Bible says that, that when Paul was vexed, I think I just used a King James Version word. When, when Paul was vexed with her, he turns around, he casts the demon out. And all of a sudden, she loses her power, but she is free from the bondage of a demon. Right? That's amazing, right? Well, the problem is, is that the, the guys that, that use this woman to, to, like, see things and everything, they now don't have any money coming in. So they get mad. They go to the city officials, and they say, hey, listen, Paul and Silas did this. They're causing us to do things that are against our Roman citizenship. They're, they're making us go against the government. Hmm. How appropriate is that? to today so here's what happens they take Paul and Silas the Bible says they beat them with wooden rods boom 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 they beat them and then they put them in the jail in the inner of the jail and they put them in stocks they put their feet in stocks now the stocks are these wooden bars that kind of go over and they make little holes for your legs and you sit there and, and usually in these jails they don't have the cleanliness standards that our current prison uh, society has, I'm told. That was a joke. Okay. And um, so here they are and they're seemingly having a bad day. Okay, pretty bad day. Now we know, some, some of us know the story, right? That they're sitting there and they're like, you know what? We should do something. And they begin talking a little bit about what God is doing. Hey, wasn't that amazing what happened to Lydia and her family and how they're, yeah. And they start talking a little bit. And then like, you know what? We should sing. And then they're like, you know what? I, I got to praise. I got to praise and I got to get it out. I got to praise. I, I got to praise, I got to praise, and I got to get it out, I got to praise, right, and then they, I, I got to, where's my, I got to, and got to, right, I mean, right, they're, they're going, and they're like, I, I, I just changed keys on you, I got to praise, I got to praise, and I got to get it out, I got to praise, all of a sudden, there begins to be 
some sort of moment where the spiritual begins to interact with the physical. Right? The spiritual begins to interact with the physical and something happens. There's an earthquake. And the earthquake is so bad that all the, do the doors go wide open. And here they are singing and their stocks open up and they're worshiping God. And there's this, this event of cataclysmic proportion, thank you, that happens. Now the story goes on that as they're sitting there and they're enjoying the presence of God in the middle of their bad day, the story doesn't end. Now, I need to point something out. Desiree, they didn't leave the prison. Now, listen, I would think if God's opening the door, right, and telling me to get out or a feeling that God is telling me to get out, that many times that's what we do is we run to get out of our season. And God's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I still have something for you. Right? And so we see what begins to happen. The jailer sees them, sees that everybody's gone, or not everybody's gone, but that everything's destroyed. He takes out his knife or however his whatever form of instrument that he's going to use to kill himself is probably a Beretta. Maybe not, because they didn't, you need to stay with me a little bit, right? So whatever that form is, and Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, we are all here. Now look at this thing. Now listen, some of you right now are thinking about the story of Peter, right? Peter's in jail. The angel comes in and it does all this, takes away all of his, his shackles and everything and gets him out of there. And we're like, why isn't Paul and Silas leaving? Because God had already met Paul and Silas. And now he wanted to extract the value from it. Huh. The value has always been and will always be us. Oh, come on. Right? That's what the value is. The value is a transformed life. The value is a life that gets rid of all of its sins. It's washed away and that we can come before our very holy God. Oh, God does these things. So here we see that the jailer takes them into his house, feeds them, takes care of their, their, their pain and their suffering and their wounds and everything. And, and then watch this. They go back to jail. They're still in the season. Nicole, they're still there. In fact, the people come in, they're like, you know what? You can let them go. And Paul says, I'm not getting out of this season. Why don't you guys come and ask us to leave? Why don't you come and, and help us get out? And, and of course, the story is the reason why is because they were Roman citizens and they were actually put in jail without a due 
process and trial. And so the city officials were in trouble because they overstepped. I want you to know something. The world will always over overstep, but we need to remember Ecclesiastes chapter 11 that God is working, that we may not see the scope of the beginning or the end of it, but God is working. And so many times we rush to get out of something, but God really has something in the middle of it. I'm going to share another story. I, I need to close. Um, musicians, you guys can come. So my, my wife and I, um, we had two miscarriages. And to tell you how sad, I, I can't even begin to tell you, and some of you have had that in yourself. And when we had these miscarriages, um, what, what happens is, is you tell people, hey, we're having a baby. Hey, we're having a baby. And then after a couple months, they come and they go, hey, how's everything going? And, uh, and they keep asking, right? Not the same people, different people that care about you, which kind of opened up the womb, the wound again, right? So it was painful. Um, it was painful the first time. It was devastating the second time. Um, so one time my wife is meeting a young lady and she comes home and she says this young lady was pregnant and she had a miscarriage and she says now now I know why we were in that season because I was able to minister in a way that I never would have been so I think we need to be cautious and careful to try and get out of a season too quickly without extracting the value and meeting God in it, right? All right, here's the third thing that I need you to, need you to hear. Third takeaway of making the most of your season, and that is this. Pursue wisdom. Many of the poor seasons that we get in can fall apart much more quickly without wisdom. Even the good seasons can fall apart without wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18 says, Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing can desire Nothing you desire can compare with her. Speaking about wisdom, her she offers you long life in her right hand and riches in the honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. If we're looking to try to get, extract the making the most out of every season, Desire wisdom. So I want to give you a little application real quick. Um, there are often times in my ministry throughout the years that I have been in situations where I am way underwater. I'm in something that is way over my head. And I've had to pray to God to give me wisdom in those situations. One of the tactics that I use is... I read Proverbs. You know, there's 31 chapters in it. And uh, like, for example, today, I'm on the 11th chapter because it's June. 
You get it? Yeah, I know. Wow, right. You're crazy. I want to invite you to join with me. That every day just read a chapter of Proverbs. And let's go through the whole month. Let, let's just allow God to give us wisdom. We need that because God's going to direct and guide our paths. Not only do we need to discern the will of God, but we need to have wisdom as we step. I think it's interesting that when Solomon became king, God asked Solomon, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 3, 9 through 12, he said, give me an understanding heart that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. He said, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? So the Lord replies, and he says, you've not asked for long life or wealth or death of your enemies. And he says, I will give you what you ask for. And I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. Wow, right? I'm telling you is that you want to get the most out of your season, whether it's good, bad, winning, losing, whatever, planting, harvesting, whatever those things are, we need to have some wisdom. Later in Kings chapter 4, he goes on to show how the kingdoms in the area all recognize his wisdom. So if things go good, pursue wisdom. If things go bad, pursue wisdom. And would you stand with me? We opened up with Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 and of course we talked about time and we talked about what happened in chapter 3 1 through 10 and how it's about living and and then 11 really is the mindset right it's it's God had made everything beautiful for this time and how he planted eternity in our hearts and um and oh I want to say this is that time the beauty in time is the salvation of a soul that's the most beautiful thing to God in fact he says when a soul repents, all heaven rejoices. All the angels have a party. That's pretty amazing. And I love this other scripture, this open door. Remember, I talked about the open door, how he stands and knocks. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For God says, At the right time I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, the right time, watch this, is now. Today is the day of salvation. Of course, he's talking about this all wrapped up in eternity and the work that he's doing. Today is a new season of hope. Hope in something eternal. And if, if, if maybe you're kind of exploring your way towards God or maybe you're trying to find out what God has for you, I want you to know then in a couple moments, we're going to open up this altar and you can pray at your seats and everything. But I want you to know that God wants to meet you in your current season. And if you felt alone, there's so many scriptures that he talks about. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And this applies to every single person in this place. He recklessly, I'm sorry, intentionally gives his love. And he gives hope. And he gives the opportunity for a new life. Of course, I'm talking about the new birth message, right? 
I'm talking about the gospel and, and how the gospel comes alive and that is death, the burial, the resurrection. And all of that applies that God wants to change our lives. He wants to wash away your sins, right? He wants to forgive you of all your sins. Our part is just to repent. God, I'm not going the way of sin anymore. I'm changing my life to you. I think you need a scripture. Confess your faults unto the Lord. and He'll be faithful to forgive, right? And not only that, God wants to fill you with his power. And why he fills you with his power is so that nothing can have bondage, can hold you in bondage anymore. Let alone that you're filled with the spirit. And he wants to do that. He wants to pour out his spirit in your life with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's amazing. It's amazing what God wants to do. Let me end with this little thing, this little story. W.B. Hinson was a great preacher of a past generation. He spoke from his own experience when just before he died and he said I remember a year ago when the doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover I walked out to where I live five miles from Portland Oregon I looked across the mountain that I love I looked at the river in which I rejoice and I looked at the stately trees that are always God's own poetry to my soul then in that evening I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps and I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountain, I shall be alive when you are gone. And river, I shall be alive when you cease running towards the sea. And stars, I shall be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. Let me pray with you, precious Father. I pray for those that have been the sound of my voice here today, and I pray that you would minister to their hearts. God, I pray that you would touch us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would show us that you have put eternity there and that there is something so much greater that's coming. And even in our own life, we can walk free of the burden of our regrets and sin that we've stepped into in the mess, in the mud. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to, to separate from the sin that destroys life and every good thing. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your power. I pray, Lord God, for your ministry, Lord Jesus, in the lives of those around us. Lord God, we are thankful, Lord Jesus. We don't want to rush out of a bad season. We want to extract the meaning. We want to meet you in it. We, we want to use our time and fill it correctly. Lord, we want to use wisdom that you provided. Your word says that all we have to do is ask for wisdom and you'll give it to us. So I pray, Lord, in this moment, in this time, we thank you. Bless us. I pray, Lord God, that you'd be with each one of them as they speak to you for the next couple minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. What we like to do is we like to open up the altar. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, you can. If you want to pray your seat, you can do that, and we'll dismiss you in a little bit. We want to reflect on God's word and what it has impacted our life. Please come. Christ is my